0: To sustainable 206.
1: Welcome yourself to sustainable 206. Oh, my no longer broken glasses, but still looking silly. Chum, do you want to explain yourself? Why have you still got that thing on your head, even though you don't need it to hold your glasses on anymore? Because they're fixed.
0: Because it's a pandemic and I haven't socialised for a year and I don't know what to do anymore. That's <laughs> why.
1: Good. We are Sustainable. We are your friendly little weekly environment podcast, aren't we all? Yes. All about people and the planet and why, despite things being broken, they can sometimes be mended through laughter. Yes?
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. We yes. are mending the broken glasses of humanity.
1: We are, we are draining the beer out of the melted laptop of life.
0: Now, should we get this out of the way early? Yes. There almost wasn't a babble Um, this week. Almost wasn't a babble this week. And, um, Dave, do you want to explain to the class the latest example of (laughs) Dave can't look after his things very well? I'm just very consciously putting this cup of tea quite a long way away from the laptop. Uh, Well, there
1: was a gnat... There was a gnat hole. Oh, it was irritating me. It was getting all up in my Chevy Chase. And I come over all very un-vegan. And I decided to uh, smack it the hell to kingdom come. And in the process of trying to smack it the hell to kingdom come, I poured an entire pint of beer all over my computer, which then made that sort of disconcerting, burny, toasty noise, burny, toasty smell and sort of fizzy, sad noise. Mm. And then went, went away. Ooh, nasty. Nice.
0: Anyway, we're here.
1: We're fixed. What are we going to be talking about this week
0: then? Well, Dave, we're going to be talking about all sorts of things relating to jobs. Green jobs. Green jobs. What the hell are they? Are they for green people or are they for people who feel sick or what? But we're going to be talking about jobs in the context of the budget where things were announced, including, you know, those kind of shovel ready, get your spade in the ground projects and apprenticeships and all that sort of stuff. And we're going to be asking, like... Why the hell do green campaigners bang on about jobs? Uh, Does it matter? Does anyone care? That sort of thing. And we will briefly touch on the fact that the government didn't appear to have the heart to talk about the environment very much in that big budget. So that's spades and, and hearts. And one thing that we're going to do is a classic babbly thing, right? This is reflective of... A Babel, I don't know, number six or something like that, when we talked about Will I Am or Bell.end, as Dave christened him at the time, uh, who brought <laughs> out some very expensive clothing. And that clothing looks cheap, positively rags cheap in comparison to what we're talking about this week, which is the world's most expensive handbag made out of a crocodile, which presumably had to be clubbed to death. Uh, before being turned into this bag which is encrusted with diamonds. So mm. that's diamonds, clubbed, spade, art. Very Thank good. Thank you very much.
1: Very good. I'll oh. be here all week.
0: Just before
1: any of that the I usual aced disclaimer. It. You did! You did ace it. Just before any of that and all of that acing. What a joker. Just- just before any of that the usual disclaimer we do work for environmental charities. Don't Did you we just
0: bridge to the disclaimer. Don't we all? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but these are very much our own views so anything that we say makes you want to deck us take oh, it up with we me and all but not with anyone for whom we work. Yes.
0: Our cards are marked. And
1: if you like The Babble, please do remember that we are a listener-supported podcast. So if you want to contribute to the running costs of this esteemed organ, you can do so at Patreon, wubblywubblywubbly.patreon.com slash sustainerbabble uh, Quite a few sign-ups recently. Thank you so much. It's making a massive difference. It's filling us with joy, is it not? Mm,
0: oh. It is. Um, we could do with the... Va- what does the new MacBook Pro cost, Dave? Anyway yeah, we could, yeah, with we could it. do it with about another couple of grand in the patreon now, so um, <laughs> you know, if you're feeling flush. Flush, flush! In half of the week. So in half time. Somebody wrote into us this week saying, what's an oh. Inhofe? <laughs> yes, they did. Um, <laughs> That's somebody. I'm going to tell you exactly who wrote into, it, uh, into us this week. Uh, that was Joe in Letchworth. No, it wasn't. Bollocks. You idiot! It was Olivia Clare who mm. said, and this is, I love this. This is one of my favourite emails ever. <laughs> she said, hi, on your latest podcast, you said something about Inhofe's at approximately 10 minutes. What, what is it? Or have I misheard it? Fantastic! Uh, Yeah. (laughs) To to be
1: fair, a lot of people must wonder what an Enhoff is and why we talk about it.
0: I do sometimes. Yes. uh, Well, so I'm I'm conscious that. We don't want to constantly explain our little in-jokes to people who have heard them 200 times. But of course, there are people who are relatively new to the podcast who don't know what the hell we're banging on about. So a brief explanation is that an Inhofe is named after Senator James Inhofe, who is about 2,000 years old, but still very much in the first flush of youth. Um, And I suppose he's a senator fueled by his hatred of the planet and everyone who's trying to protect it. Uh, So he does all sorts of dastardly things in the American Senate. And principally, he says that climate change isn't real because there is still snow. And he very, very famously took a plastic bag containing a snowball into the American Senate and said, Look, snow, there's loads of this outside. Therefore, climate change doesn't exist. And we thought, what a knob. And we named a section of the show after him, which was Inhofe of the week. But of course, there are people who are not knobs. Uh, and we think they were, are worth chatting about too, and we call them anti Inhoffs. Uh, so there you go. There you go, Olivia. That is what we're banging on about. I hope that sort of explains it. Anyway, this week's Inhoff is,
1: and you know, we're going to get hit with a naughty stick even for suggesting it all, but this week's Inhoff is your friend and mine, savior of the economy, Dishi Rishi Sunak now listen let's get this out of the way let's get this out of the way he's not really an in-off right but Isn't he has it? done well not in, no I, I invite you to remember cast your mind back so Rishi Sunak is the Chancellor of the Exchequer now for people who aren't in the UK bear with us because this is relevant. Cast your mind back, old, when we started the Babel over six years ago. Do you remember what
0: a George Osborne was? Is <laughs> do you remember that? I do. You remember do. A George Osborne. Remember oh, him? I feel whenever that name is mentioned, I slightly shrivel. I just yes. get everything. Just goes a little tense, and I kind of cower. Yeah, that's pretty much
1: the effect he had on me. He he was a bastard. I think what marked out a lot of the early episodes of Babel was that bastard and what he got up to he would do stuff like say oh you know all of this action on climate change is too expensive and we're not doing it we're not going to save the uh we're not going to save the planet by putting the country out of business and fracking is great and all that sort of stuff he
0: was mr fracking wasn't he absolutely wanted fracking And and he was mr get oil out of the north sea wasn't he something like we will squeeze every last drop out of the north sea i think was his phrase I mentioned that name in front of me, that
1: filthy piece of tow rag. He was, exactly, exactly. Now, Rishi Sunak is not like that. Rishi Sunak says climate change is important. Um, but this week, he, what, he hasn't done a thing. This is about being an in and not doing a thing, um, which he was never going to do, frankly. But anyway, uh, we're using it as an excuse to talk about green jobs, Oll. Because one of the things that has kind of been a central demand of green campaign types for a long time, but particularly over the last year of horribleness, you know, we talked about this back in episode 170 when virus first became a thing. We talked about, like, well, hopefully the path out of virus will be government creating lots of green jobs. And loads of campaigners have said, oi, government, go and create lots of green jobs. But lots of green jobs hath he not created. And this week was his budget. When he had the opportunity to say, "Here's a trillion billion pounds to create a trillion billion green jobs," and
0: the git didn't do it, that's disappointing.
1: Well, I mean, it's not, is it? Because it's not surprising, is it? We surprised. Well, by there's now. a
0: difference between things being surprising and things being disappointing. That's true. Um, that's true. As it's I know like,
1: all so well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Think, think of I don't know any of the last two hundred episodes where you've asked me to do something, mm. and you're disappointed that I haven't done it. Not hugely surprised. Oh no, come on, sometimes I'm surprised. <laughs> um, it's disappointing because of all budgets, this is the one where people have lost all sense of numbers. Like he he could have yeah. just said and yeah. yeah, and another thirty billion to employ everybody in the country building wind turbines and people be been, Oh yeah, fine, okay, whatever, what's another thirty billion? Which is not obviously the case. When we started Pablo, well, we were deep in the mire of the austerity years where, you know, a fiver was.
1: It's very coming back again, I think. That is very. Having a, rena- a resurgence tour, I think. What? Austerity uh, years. Austerity, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to be playing their greatest hits around the country mm, yes. for the next decade or so. Super. Mm. He did do some stuff, which you don't really want to talk about, but he did bung some cash at a new national investment bank, which would be green. Don't really want to talk about this. Is boring. Isn't enough money, apparently, blah, 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 etc. So it's not that he didn't do anything on green. But the main thing, it, it was quite notable, I thought. I wanted to talk mostly about a report that came out earlier this week, as we record, day before the budget, which was from a group of campaigners at Friends of the Earth who done a massive great report, which I have to say is pretty bloody good, and we can talk about this in a minute, saying, oi, Rishi, right, shut up and listen. See how you've got the following problems, which is A, loads of young people ain't got jobs. B, they ain't going to get any jobs. C, pandemic, economy bad. D, like... You need to like fix planet and thing. See all of them, Rishi. We've got a plan for you, and that is what you want to do is spend forty billion pounds a year to create a million green jobs through a green infrastructure program, and ten billion pound a year to make hundred a quarter of a million green apprentices. So it's like a specific proposal. They did, and there was some numbers and stuff to back that up.
0: I thought it was. I thought it was good as well. Uh, I think it was good because like. It's starting from the point of view of real people and a real group of people who everyone knows are screwed. And like, you know, young people have been increasingly screwed pre-pandemic jobs. It's just horrific to try and get a job now when you're young is just hard, really Mm. bloody hard, like almost regardless of background. And, you know, clearly there is a spectrum there, but like it's still really really tough and that was going on before the pandemic pandemic as everyone knows has knackered young people in can't terms get employed
1: of, for eating avocados All or-
0: you cannot get employed for your smashed avo habit no. there no. must be an influencer somewhere who makes loads of money just from eating smashed avo I don't yeah so poppy avo <laughs> i simply toasted some naan and sliced half an avocado added sea salt and red pepper chili flakes What sets us apart? Um, But anyway, so I think it's a good thing that an environmental charity, who most people expect to start by saying, oh, planet's in terrible trouble. Can we do something to help the planet? Oh, and by the way, this will be good for people. Actually, they've gone, hang on a minute, young people are absolutely screwed and there are no decent prospects for them being unscrewed in the uh, immediate short term. Uh, This would be a good way to have meaningful employment Plenty of cash, plenty of career prospects, and doing it in a way which would really help the planet out. And then as a result of that, they got all of the kind of union y types and people yeah. who bang the drums for bang the drum for, for jobs and workers and labour rights and stuff. They got them saying, Yeah, we like this as well, which I guess is why it did well on the coverage front.
1: What do you think about the deployment of jobs arguments by greeny campaigners to say, see this thing we think anyway, which is saving the planet, is good. If you do it, there's loads of jobs in it for you. What do you kind of think about that? Because I think I think two things at once. One of which is, that's very clever and tactical. And the other one of which is like, no one believes you when you talk about that. And the government aren't going to do it just because you say you'll do it. And I, I kind of, I'm never quite sure what I think about it. And bearing in mind, this is like something I've thought about a lot, mm. right?
0: Well, okay. I mean, I'll give some less thought-through opinions and then you can tell me what they should be if you thought about it a lot. Super news. It feels like the right thing to do when you're being a campaigner and you're like, okay, what I really want is planet saved. And I've been asking people, please save planet, and they're not saving the planet. So maybe if I... They seem to bang on about jobs a lot. (laughs) So maybe if I can... Talk their language and talk about jobs and say, "Well, here are some jobs. Maybe that will help make them listen, and they might save the planet." That seems like an entirely logical, mm. sensible way to go about things. Um, and obviously, when you're campaigning for a thing, you you come up against a lot of people who disagree with you. So you are you need by, to sort of by, arm yourself.
1: Otherwise, otherwise you're just talking. Yes, exactly.
0: Yes. Um, so you need to arm yourself with you know stuff, ammunition. To military matters is good. These yeah. Fighting,
1: what? killing, ammunition, wars. Yes, right.
0: Yes, no, I'm not. No, a- no, it's good. God.
1: It's good. It mat- it's not like we're talking about whether language matters.
0: You know, oh. well. No, no, go for it. Go
1: well, for it. I'm not talking at all because you keep
0: interrupting me. Well, get on with it. <sighs> so you need, you need to be well equipped to counter <laughs> good any arguments that are levelled against you. It's and good. a lot of those arguments will be, and indeed are, oh, you don't care about ordinary things like people's jobs.
1: I will not sacrifice tens of millions of jobs, thousands and thousands of companies, because of the Paris Accord. It was so unfair. So if you China can
0: stick out a bunch of reports to say, look, this doing this save the planet thing would create lots of really good jobs all over the country. Um, you can then say, see, we do care about jobs and stuff.
1: Do you remember back in that Brexit campaign? You remember that? Remember that Brexit? When people were saying, like, the Brexit, yes. we are members of the European Union. That seems to be a problem for some reason. Should we leave it? And there was, like, numbers wanged about on either side. So the Levy EU people said, well, we are spending, was it 350 million quid a fortnight on a bus or something? And then the other side were like, oh yeah, but if we leave the EU, missus, it will cost you two and a half grand a year or four and a half grand a year or, you know, £2.50 every 25 minutes or whatever. And like there was numbers. This is someone would go on and say, actually, if we do this, here's a number. And someone else would go, oh yeah, but if we do that, there's a number. And in the middle of it all, you kind of go, who's paying attention to that? Like who oh, yeah, yeah. is who is making decisions based on whether people who have obviously on one side of the argument or the other are wanging numbers about that some people clearly do. At like economic phrase, get your claxon ready, at the margins of some people some people, i.e., you know, some people might have been influenced by that one way or the other. Um but the point is that, like, if you, you want numbers, you want numbers, dude, I'll get you numbers. Like, you want numbers, you want to make a point? What's, what's, the, thing, what's the thing you want to establish? What's a, a point you wish to make
0: in the world? I would like to establish that Cambridge, Cambridge United are empirically the best team in the world.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe numbers can't fix everything.
0: <laughs> Number 30. Plymouth Argyle.
1: Number 58.
0: Against Cambridge
1: United. The problem with that one is there are already numbers 43. that are fairly robust numbers. Mm. Um, that, well, sure, that's not for for
0: instance, I mean that obviously you can't you can't do it in that particular example, but what you do see. On match of the day or any other stupid football program that I can't stop watching, even though I know it's numbing my brain and I don't mm. care, I don't even support any Premier League football teams, and I know that I desperately need to go to bed and get some sleep. I mm. still watch that shit every week, and I don't know why. And I hate the people on it, and I hate their stupidity <laughs> and their and the, you know their faux kind of crossness and passion and oh. God, and one of the things that you see them doing is going, hmm, I've just. We need to decide that Team X is now on a very good run of form um, because they like played well today or something. So they'll go. If you take the last seven and a half matches. Uh, they're actually the best performing team in the league. Or if you look at the last sixteen right. away games played on a Tuesday, yeah. they are actually the best performing team in the league. And there you go. That's an example of if
1: you, exactly. If you look at goals scored with the left foot, they're doing better than, than yeah. anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If you look, at, if you look at Cambridge United and you look at how they're doing relative to other seasons, this is one of the better years. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, exactly. Uh, which is true you know having a good season aren't it and that's exactly my point that's exactly my point right like the and a thing happens that w- you will see the nuclear lobby say or the big train company lobby a bit controversial or the coal lobby you'll see like someone who greenies don't like saying a coal mine in Cumbria for example saying uh, hmm. do this thing because it will bring X number of jobs and they'll say we've worked that out and all of the greenie lobbies and all of the people who don't want that thing will say, that's bollocks. that's bollocks, I don't care about those numbers, it shouldn't happen because moral reason, or I'm picking the numbers, right? Yeah. But same people will then quite happily deploy an argument that says, do the thing we want, and you can have why numbers. You can have these numbers. And these numbers are good numbers because they support the good thing. And people talk about it in the media, and it gets back, back and forth, and there's some coverage and what moves, whether or not that thing happens or not, is not who's got the best numbers. It is
0: not. Well, the party have had an opinion poll done. It seems all the voters are in favour of bringing back National Service. Well I have another opinion poll done showing the voters are against bringing back National Service. <laughs> it
1: is sometimes important to do that. It was important to start establishing that acting on climate change is a good thing economically. That thing called the Stern Review, if you remember that, that was
0: an important Oh, I do, thing. I do. That was that was from. Do you know that was from the year that the computer I'm recording Babylon oh, we was go. born? Yes, um, and that is 2006.
1: Yeah, the the, the the day that this computer that I'm recording on was born was a lot more recent than that. Mm. Alas, mm. Um, what <laughs> was I saying? It's about ten. You to ra- six, you rather it? disappointed me <laughs> with that <laughs> with that comment.
0: You were, So, uh, Mr. Stern, Nicholas Stern, made the point that. Um, it would cost a lot more money to clean up all of the mess and not clean up all of the mess that climate change would cause than it would to spend a bit of money preventing climate change. And that was an important, that was a sort of important moment where people in government were like, oh, hang on a minute. We could actually save ourselves a whole bunch of cash by saving the planet. And, you know, arguably it didn't switch things straight away, but it was an important concept to establish.
1: Yeah, and what it did was provided cover for people to do a thing they wanted to do anyway, right? That is how numbers are generally That is how numbers are generally used. That's how they're used like both it's what George Osborne did all the time. He would say, Oh, we can't act on climate change, because if we do it'll cost this much money and then he'd get a report which magically showed that it will cost loads of money. You remember we talked in episode 109 to that Christine Berry... About neoliberalism. Jesus! Remember that, that 100 episodes ago? 100 episodes ago, almost. And that's our most listened to episode ever, incidentally. That episode. Go and listen to it. It's very, very good. Well, um, don't and go and listen to something else. You've evidently already listened to that that's true. <laughs> that's <laughs> go true. And go and listen to a different one. That's, that's very <laughs> true. Um, and in that, she talks about like how what has happened to the way that we see the world, we being like people in the West, we being us, even those of us who think we're good, even greenies, even campaigners, what's happened is that we've started to see everything as only having kind of e- force as an argument, as only being valid if it's got a number attached to it, right? We can only save it if we can measure it. We can only mm. measure it if we can put a number on it, so we need to put a number on it. like And out of that, out of that sort of control of all of the stuff we're allowed to say has to come down to numbers, like how schools are run is down to numbers, how hospitals are run is down to numbers. Not like numbers as in how much does it cost to run this hospital, but like who's top of the league table, how like what's the, mm. you know, all of that stuff, which matters, but it's like the most important thing now. And what's happened is we've ended up going, the only way we can save nature is by putting a price on all the world's uh biodiversity the only way we can save that tree is by working out it's economically beneficial to do so and the only way we can get the government to do anything on saving the planet is by talking about it in terms of jobs
0: and exactly and yet we're wrong and and we know we're wrong because we also have all of this stuff saying you know, all of the research and and clever comsy people um and you know that robin webster who came on the came on the podcast 186. Mm, 186. That's the episode, uh, not a <laughs> uh, talk, talk, Talked about it. Uh, stories. Stories are what stick in people's heads. That's how people make sense of the world. It's how humans have always made sense of the world. And numbers is not how humans make sense of the world. Yet we still do all of this numbers bang because, as you say, that we, that's what we see and uh, how decisions appear to be made. But we sort of know they're not. It's all... Yeah, it's all very confusing. It's all very confusing. And we all do it all the time. I've yeah. definitely, definitely in my campaigning, have, I've like gone, right, we need a big economic number to justify this planet saving thing or indeed bloody children's lung-saving thing that we're trying to do. I remember trying to do it on air pollution. What's the economic impact of air pollution? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, it's a big number, but isn't what matters that air pollution is like choking children isn't that the thing
1: so to kind of wrap this up a bit like what i am talking about is primarily the use of numbers in general in the public debate by everyone to try and provide cover for what are essentially fundamentally ethical questions yeah but and just kind of how depressing i find that and even more depressing because actually it kind of needs to be done unfortunately because that's how we've stuff but what the most brilliant thing about this report what actually is the thing that that makes it worth doing isn't the numbers per se i'm trying to distinguish the kind of playing the you know the numbers as opposed it's not the numbers it's the fact that they've got the unions on board and that they've got stories all the way through it of young people from across the country who are going yeah yeah, i've got a green apprenticeship it's brilliant it's great it's really good Um, and they're telling stories about it and then all of that means that like people who genuinely might feel like it's not a matter of numbers or not whether I support green stuff, it's whether or not an actual job in practice will actually come to my town, that those people might be a bit more likely to support, again, at the margins,
0: right? Um, And I think think what you've just described is a good example of the sort of normalising this stuff process that has to go on. Like, to an extent we need to get to the point where no one perceives these jobs as green jobs. They're just jobs. In a way that, like, You don't say, oh, I really want to work in the oil industry because it's a fossil fuel job." Yeah, you're like, "I really want to work in the oil industry because if you're an engineer, that's probably where the best, exciting jobs is, and you can make a load of money, and you get to live in in lovely Aberdeen, and you get to to live in Aberdeen." hello I'm Chris Packham and you're listening to sustainer Babble sustainer babble of the week right so sustain babble of the week this is where companies or people or ministers or whoever trying to sound green fail to sound green and instead sound uh kind of potassium permanganate do you remember mr bean that what? A, that was a Mr Bean DVD what? or something. The pet- what? they were? All, he gave them all different colours. And the You've one got them
1: seven tangents in one sentence. What, <laughs> what one are you talking was,
0: about? One was Paddling pooly, One was Potassium what? Permanganate. One was... What? his, his what, like what? Maybe it wasn't DVDs. Maybe it was VHSs. He did little little programmes and he gave them all colours. Am I on drugs? <laughs> you on drugs? Who's on drugs? Somebody. Oh. Somebody's on drugs.
1: You speak very good French. <laughs>
0: Gracias. Super. Now, where are we? What are we talking about? Crocodiles, dead crocodiles turned into handbags. That's what we're talking about. This is sustainable, and this is well, this is sustainable. This, this, um, sustain.
1: this is This is this is a classic of the genre. This one up.
0: Oh. first up, we need to be very grateful to Babel listener Cecilia. No, that's not what you've put that's here. Right. You've put Keclia. Right. It's <laughs> Cecilia, but I don't think that <laughs> it's Cecilia. Okay, it's
1: not Kechlia. It's Cecilia. But maybe it is Kecklia. Is it Cecilia or Cecilia? It's Cecilia. It's not. It's not Kecklia. But it's, sorry, it's Cecilia. not Kechlia. It's not
0: che- <laughs> Chechlia. Yes. All right. Get on with it. Okay. So we're going we're going with Cecilia. Um, anyway, Cecilia sent us in a story uh, about. That's just wonderful. This. It's a report that's been drawn up by the luxury bag brand Borini Milanese. Uh, not a brand I'm familiar with. It must be said. Lu- luxury
1: handbag brand's not really your thing. No, apparently, apparently not. Anyway, but If it's... they made hi-fi equipment, you'd probably be very familiar with them.
0: Well, yes, quite, quite. Uh, maybe I'll move on to, maybe I'll we'll branch out to expensive handbags because, look... Borini Milanese makes very, very expensive handbags. And they've got all defensive because they've come in for some criticism about one of their six million pound euros handbags um, made out of dead crocodile. I'm sorry, did you say six million? Six million. Even, Even like luxury magazines are describing this as like quite luxury. These are sort of... Yeah, six even, million, six euros million
1: euros for, for one handbag. Uh
0: yes, that's correct. And apparently they've only made three of them. What surprised. Um and it's made out of dead crocodile and it's covered in diamonds and rubies and all sorts of precious gems. And the best thing is that they are claiming that this is a sort of conservation thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and in fairness, they say that. The from the the proceeds eight hundred thousand euros in the proceeds of the sales uh, of each of these bags. I mean, I think these are probably theoretical sales because <laughs> I don't know how many people need a six million dollar euro handbag. Anyway, apparently eight hundred thousand will go to charities that are trying to clean up the ocean um, from all of its plasticky mess. But still they make an even bigger point, which is that by shooting crocodiles in the face to make (laughs) crocodile handbags, they are protecting crocodiles. What do you think about that, Dave? Do you mind me asking why? I'll tell you why, because it's balls, that's why. (laughs) complete balls!
1: Yes, now this is a thing that we have talked about in Babble's Passive. we talked about this quite a lot, actually, I think. The idea, we definitely talked about it back in episode 24 with... Oh, Chris Packham. F- friend of the Babble, Chris Packham. Yes. That's right. When we asked him whether or not, I think there's something had been... In fact, it's the reason, I think, from memory, that we got hold of that Chris Packham in the first place was there had been a load of stuff in the news about, like, trophy hunting, right? Where you take very rich people who go and shoot very endangered animals and in exchange for which the money that they pay to shoot the very endangered animals pays to protect more of the otherwise endangered animals right? Yeah. So, the, uh, basically, so the idea is that, like, by shooting some of them, you can keep what's left of the rest of them alive, whereas if you didn't have the money and from potentially some of them, yeah. and potentially more, if you didn't have the money from shooting some of them, they'd all be knacked, right? Yeah. And this was, and, and, we've, and we've heard that in various other things, I think, in the grouse hunting, grouse shooting episode, episode 57, I think we talked about that from memory. Uh, yeah, I that think. one's a
0: bit different, but I mean, they, yeah, they sort of say, look, come and shoot loads of grouse and that gives us money to manage this habitat in general, which is good for, like, three other species of birds.
1: I mean, this is a bit like what we were talking about earlier, isn't it? Numbers wang a lot of this stuff. But, but yeah. yeah. Um, And And so, what's what's really going
0: on in both those examples is people like shooting things. (laughs) So it's like, I like shooting animals. Now make it sound like it's ethically okay, please. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So their argument is um, in parts of the world where you get alligators and crocodiles all up in your face when you don't necessarily want them, um, you may be tempted under normal circumstances to knock their block off or uh, call the police and get the police to knock their block off or get the RSPCA to turn up with one of them cages that you put cats in and put the crocodile in it and take it away.
0: You'd have to really squidge it in, wouldn't you? You could sort of fold it in, or maybe it'd be like a tube of toothpaste. If you started at the tail and rolled it, you could sort of squeeze out all of the guts of the crocodile, and then just sort of—you want to say this? Squidge it
1: in. Oh dear me, yeah. Yeah, anyway, so they, um, they've they written in this press release that we've got here, they wrote the most amazing paragraph, which we're going to get Arabella to read out in a minute. And the paragraph is about how they people have a go at ball Milanese for being hypocrites, not least for doing a six million euro bag, which they give a bit of money to save uh, seas with, apparently, if anyone ever buys it, which I doubt. Um, but they got properly on the defensive, offensive, and they commissioned a report. And I just want, sometimes you see a paragraph, which has got so many things wrong with it that it's just majestic. It's just majestic. And I'm going to get Arabella to read it in full. Is that all right, Ol? That's more than all right, yeah. Very good.
0: The report uses three scientific reasons to demonstrate that alligator and crocodile bags are good for the planet, communities and the animals themselves. The report was published in response to the accusations of hypocrisy against Borini Milanese following the launch of the most expensive bag in the world – worth 6 million euros made of precious stones and alligator leather and created to raise awareness on the pollution of the seas.
1: You know, in press officer school, I'm pretty sure the (laughs) first thing you get taught, pretty sure the first thing you get taught is, see if someone out there has called you a bastard. Don't directly refer to that in the second paragraph of your (laughs) own press release. Um, And not just say that you've been called a bastard, but explain why you've been called a bastard and repeat the thing you've done that loads of people have called you a bastard for, and then just sort of move on from it. Like, just don't mention it. Don't say that you've been accused of being massively hypocritical yes. for making a massively pointless expensive bag made of precious stones and alligator leather.
0: I Don't, don't do that. Th- I don't think they've read Don't Think of an Elephant or, I suppose, <laughs> Don't Think of a Dead Crocodile. Uh, cuz it's yeah it's like framing 101 isn't it it's like don't reinforce your other the, the arguments of the other side you're you're yes. already losing if you're explaining yourself um yeah it's very good oh but, you know we're not hypocrites following the launch of the most expensive bag in the world worth 6 million euros made of precious stones and alligator leather created to just awareness of the oh it's just so good brilliant i love it i love it anyway it's not there they don't finish there um Ooh because they they then go on to explain the scientific grounding of why they're right and all these critics are wrong. But it's just an absolutely classic episode, uh, not episode, classic example of correlation isn't the same as causation. Do you know what I mean Um, by that, Dave?
1: Yes, biscuits are not the same as
0: bread. Up is not the same as down. Down is up and up is down. Mm. Um, Yeah, we won't read this all out in full, but they, they basically say... Thing happened where the alligator population went from small to big at the same time. That was snappy. Uh, thank you. At the same time, some people in other places killed some alligators for conservation reasons, therefore. Killing the alligators for conservationary reasons somewhere at some point is directly responsible for population exploding somewhere else. And it just does that about three times. And I, I don't know what they're trying to do, but come on. I
1: know. And I love the bit. I mean, we're running out of time, so we should wrap this up. But I do love this bit as well. Please read this out, Arabella.
0: For Borini Milanese, these three points are the start of an information campaign aimed at breaking down the fake news that influences public opinion putting this delicate safeguarding work at risk
1: so they they don't just describe themselves as like a company that is selling a thing that might be good for animals they describe themselves as delicate safeguarding work so you may have thought oh you'd be wrong if you thought that Borraini nibillanese were a company mate that made fat piles of cash out of rich idiots
0: nope (laughs) they are doing delicate safeguarding work oh Oh, um... that's what they're doing Borani Milanese, the delicate safeguarders. Is that, is that the borr- Borani Milanese you mean?
1: Well, I saw my baby walking
0: well, hang on a minute. Let's say, uh, how many have they made? Three? They've made three of these bags. So let's say three very rich idiots, or one exceptionally rich idiot, buys these three bags. And what do they say? Eight hundred thousand euros from each bag is going to go towards a conservation charity or an ocean cleanup charity. So that's two point four million euros going to a conservation charity. It's the kick in the trousers. And uh, only co- that was only required for like what a couple of crocs. And maybe these were asshole crocs. Maybe these crocs have got well up in the face of like I don't know some really nice old grannies or something. Do you reckon that's worth it? I don't know, but that's not really the point, is it? Because the, the point is this is a company. Don't come at me with your points.
1: No, but the point is that like, this is a company that is trying to defend the essence. It doesn't, they don't generally make six million dollar euro pound bags. They make expensive bags, but not like six million euro ones. This is a gimmick, right? That's what they're doing. What they normally do, they make their entire business model is skinning alligators and crocodiles and making bags out them. So just like we were talking about earlier, like everything in here is about them going, here's a load of reasons, facts, science, evidence, why the thing that we have done for years and years and years, quite frankly, a long time before I would imagine they ever thought about economic arguments, is good. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what's going on here. Is It's
0: mostly, it's just like balls, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's, isn't it balls? Crocodile balls. Do you think... Do you think the are made out of their balls? I wonder how big a crocodile's balls is. Things that went well and things that could have gone better. Right, this is the section where... Oh. The, the peer review process uh, for Babel <laughs> kicks in, I suppose. And peer review, as any academic will tell you, is important and yes. good because it makes you better and yes. more accurate and yes. less wrong. Yes. And this week we've been told to be less wrong about something like embarrassingly obvious.
1: Yeah, we talked back in episode 204, which already seems a lifetime ago. Don't things seem a long time ago. Yeah. Anyway, um, about Coca-Cola, who were making a paper bottle. Do you remember, all? Yep. Well, not, I... or making a plastic bottle that they said was paper. Exactly. Um, and not making it. Actually, another company's making it, but and only 2,000 of them.
0: But anyway, anyway. Get, getting
1: loads of positive media coverage for it. Yep. Remember that? Yeah, yep. so it was yep.
0: not Coca-Cola not making a paper bottle. That's what is not happening, yeah.
1: Correct, yes. Um, and we said, what's wrong with using glass? In fact, you said, I think quite emphatically, I think what's we were wrong quite with ranty. using glass? Yeah, you do get quite ranty. And I said something like, can you even get Coca-Cola in glass? And you said, yes, there are some examples. And you pointed to uh, an email that we'd have from a listener saying you can get them in glass. What what, what did we miss there then?
0: Well, um, Philly Webb got in touch saying, what about Cans. <laughs> And me and Dave went, yeah. Yeah. Cans. Cans. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about cans. Yeah. Can, cans are quite good, aren't they? I mean, probably not as great. I think, I think another, uh, I think Howard, who's uh, a long time listener, I think he got in touch and said, like, you know, cans aren't quite as good as glass, but also cans. <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Philly. Sorry, everyone else, for like, forgetting that there is a third way between plastic and glass and that is canned and um, you know although
1: although in fairness to yourself and up yours Philly because actually <laughs> you did say the thing about glass is you can re you not just recycle but reuse it, right? That's yes. the difference. Yes, you will struggle true. to reuse a Metal can, yes, I, I would say can't be done. Now go back and listen to episode 140 where we talked about recycling. when well, I talked about recycling to that Julian Kirby, and he was saying a lot of the time people worry about the recycling bit, and actually, what they should be doing is reusing a thing. So, it's better, it is much better to find a way if you have to have coke, which as Philly points out tastes like fridge juice. Yeah, um, if you have to have coke, then it's better that it's done in something where you can you don't have to make a new thing to put the next th- thing of coke yes. in.
0: So so
1: actually, glass is still a better idea than anything else.
0: Okay, good. So my rant was justified. It was just missing a large thing. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. Also, we got an email from Michael Jiggins, who, after we described the editor of The Daily Express in episode 204, we described Gary Jones, the editor of The Daily Express, as a lefty. Uh, He pointed out, yeah, I heard an interview with the new Express editor. He's no longer a lefty. He pledged allegiance to the Tories. So there's that.
0: Well... I mean what's lefty righty between friends and these divisions are very arbitrary I'm not That's sure they really true. exist anymore
1: Also shout out for Joe in Letchworth who sent us an amazing email um, and we thought we'd like to talk about it but then we thought actually this is quite a profound question this and we wonder whether or not there might be some solace to be got off of the Babel army. So what we would like to do is read out what Joe said and then why don't you email us at hello at sustainababble.fish or tweet us at The Babel Wagon or find us on Facebook just search Babel, and let Joe know via us what your response to this is and in a few episodes time we'll read out the best and maybe actually have a proper think about it. How about that
0: all? Good good idea of yours.
1: Yes, good idea of mine, wasn't it? It's Mm. good. I'm full of all the good ideas. Um, So Joe says, I live a relatively sustainable life. I'm setting up my own sustainability consultancy. But i've been asked on more than one occasion so what's the point i believe in climate change but by trying to change the way we live aren't we just prolonging the inevitable and joe says i know one of the answers is do it for your kids but that doesn't seem to cut it do you have any other cunning ways to convince more people to change the way that they live she says i see so many apathetic people and it drives me bonkers so the question is like what do you say to people to persuade them that it does matter what they do in their daily lives about green stuff how do you persuade people it does add up to a hill of beans
0: particularly in um, face of that kind of there's, that's a particular strain of apathy isn't it where they're not saying climate change is made up it's a hoax invented by the Chinese they're saying there's nothing we can do about it like, why are we going to go to all this effort to make our lives a bit shitter when we're still going to drown in a thingy I mean, and
1: we have talked about this a bit over the years. Episode 177, we talked about this, all in our question and answer episode. We talked be. about this a bit, Demorable yeah. Answer. But I think it'd be really good to get people's views on it, because I don't think there's a quick answer, because it is on one level true that if I do loads of stuff about the environment and no one else does, it hasn't really changed anything. That is basically true. Yes. Um, but also if everyone thought like that we never changed anything that is also true and so is, yeah is
0: it true that we're also trapped in this kind of cycle of thinking of ourselves just as biddly little individuals when that's you true know, you watch yeah. all that adam curtis stuff there's a what are we are we individuals are we part of a big system or what who knows who knows so it's deep and it's far too deep for idiots like us uh, so tell us what we should think basically get in touch That is just about it for another episode of Babble. Thank you very much, Dave, for babbling. Thank you for rescuing our potential tech, um, you know, I troubles. haven't listened to
1: this back yet. And by the way, even if I do um, fix my immediate tech troubles, I'm still likely to do something like press the wrong button on the device anyway. So
0: Yeah, yeah. well, we'll see. <laughs> maybe, there, maybe there isn't an episode at all. I'm sure there is. Thank you very much. Thank you for all your wonderful babbling as ever. Thank you to Dickie Moore for the music at the beginning and the end and the into twinkly bits. Go and check him out on Bearcraft. Uh, thank you to Arthur Stovall for designing our logo. <laughs> logo. A logo. Arthur Stovall, who designed our logo? Uh, I like it. Did- That's
1: now staying. That's good. Okay, thank you, he Arthur. designed our yeah.
0: logo, which you can find <laughs> on our website uh, and on T-shirts that you can buy from our website, which is www.sustainababble.fish.
1: You can get in touch with us through the things I said a minute ago. I'm sure you can work out to get in touch with us anyway. Uh, thank you to Arabella for so nobly reading out the eco-guff what you did not say and...
0: Didn't. I'm sorry, Arabella.
1: Like, what I, don't, I think you'll... Do not be displeasing Arabella. I think if no, you haven't worked don't out. There, don't displease Arabella. Don't um, Arabella. And if you haven't yet twigged, we rely on the support of our generous listeners to keep this show on the road. And so if you like what you hear, please join the small but growing Babel Army who chip in at wubblywubblywubbly.patreon.com slash sustainababble. And if you can't or won't do that because you're skint or tight, then perhaps you could contribute through a nice review on your podcast medium of choice and tell your friends. Get the word out there, yes?
0: Very good. I think that's about it, me old chum. I'm off to see if I have... Successfully completed my Babel probation Mm. and can be um, certified a a a fully blown signed up member of the Babel podcast team. No, Um, I think
1: we need to perhaps extend your probation period for another six years. Okay. Just to to make sure we've made the right decision. I think you still need some, you still need to grow into a few elements in the role. I I, I feel. Um, I'm off to bed. (laughs) It's been a difficult week. Can I go now?
0: Please. (laughs) Please put your laptop somewhere safe and dry. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hello. Jesus, that was even too loud for me. (laughs) That sort of came back into my ears too loud. And I don't know how, because... Right. (laughs)